it's so important to build your network when you're not job searching or when you're not wanting anything, but then you can tap your network when you are, or when you are needing that one thing, because I don't think a networking experience should be transactional. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you would like to support episodes like this being made, I would appreciate it so much. You could head over to patreon.com slash half hour intern, and there you can make a little contribution per episode that comes out to just help the episodes keep coming out. And we need your contributions to uh, to help the episodes come out for everyone else that wants to listen to this show um, and that is not able to contribute. So if you were able to contribute in any way, that would help so much for me. It would help for your fellow listeners. And again, that's a Patreon patreon.com slash half hour intern. So in today's episode, I speak with Emily Merrill, who is the founder of Six Degrees Society. So Emily is an incredible, intelligent, really awesome young woman who has always been great at networking her entire life. As she put it uh, during the interview, she's kind of like a uh, like a little puppy dog and just like loved coming up like going up to people and learning their story and and just being friends with everyone possible and uh that led to her having a very diverse sort of network of friends and people in her life and one day she kind of realized that she had this great network and after many days and events of uh kind of trying to introduce certain friends to other people within her network because she knew that they would have some sort of great fit for each other um, work-wise or socially or this or that. She's like, you know what? I should make a business out of this. I should try to formally introduce more women to each other um, who are like-minded and could possibly benefit business-wise from knowing each other or benefit personally from knowing each other. So she founded Six Degrees Society. I'm going to read really quickly the definition that she has of Six Degrees Society on her homepage on the website because I feel like it's really short and to the point and really well explains her goal and focus. So Six Degrees Society is a women's focus collective of curious hustlers. We came together through creative programming to connect and grow. We hail from the business sector, tech world, creative class, and hospitality scene, from dynamic startups and corporate heavyweights, and we're all moving towards an inspired future. At Six Degrees Society, we help our tribe of dreamers and doers stretch their skills, challenge their minds, and stir their creativity without with out-of-the-box programming. Events range from expert panels, 101 events, and hands-on workshops, and every gathering includes speed networking. This is where the magic happens. We create curated matches so you can get straight to the mission of making meaningful connections. Networking Six Degree Style is all about favoring a personal touch and removing any guesswork. So currently, there are chapters open in Chicago, Los Angeles, New Orleans, San Francisco, Miami, Atlanta, and D.C. And in 2017, she will be launching chapters in Philly, Boston, Denver, Austin, and Dallas. She is very busy and very hardworking. So in this episode, we will explore networking and how to best network. If you end up at a networking event like one of Emily's or even a more basic one, um, how to kind of best carry yourself in an event like that. And just when you're meeting people out and about it, like a restaurant or a bar or whatever it is. And we'll also explore how it is that Emily does what she does, which is so cool that makes Six Degrees Society so awesome and so focused. 
and that is pairing people up together and how do you know it like that someone is going to be a good match when you're trying to pair them up which obviously is poignant for all of us of how do we know that we are going to be a good match for somebody when we are trying to network with them so uh there's a lot of great info in this episode i hope you all enjoy it without further ado here is networker emily thanks so much for coming on the show today I'm so excited to be here, Blake. Yeah. So funny to have found you the way I did. I know. I'm so, yeah, we have to tell everyone about that. You wrote me from Virgin Airlines and I was like, this is the coolest effing way that anyone's ever reached out to me before. 34,000 feet in the air. And I listened to your podcast and was like, this guy needs to either be my friend or we need to figure out a way to partner together. I love that you like couldn't wait till you landed. And like, <laughs> are you one of these balling people that, that actually pays for the Wi-Fi on all your planes or what's the status with that? Oh, totally. It's, it's really, it's sad. I, I feel, okay, actually I love doing work in the air. I think it's the one time that you can get the most work done and it feels like you're not wasting your time. Yes. Or I just like to keep my phone off and answer all my emails on my phone and just like knock them out. And then when you get Wi-Fi, you've just sent like 120 emails and it feels awesome. I could not agree more with you because whenever you're at your, like I work out of the house a lot or mm-hmm. back when I used to work in offices or this or that, it's like there's so many potential things you could be doing. Like there's so many distractions. And when you're on a plane... Mm-hmm. Doing work is about as good as anything you could be doing on the like. There's nothing better that you could be doing with your time than work. You know, like you'd have to really enjoy a movie or something to be that much more into that than, like you said, like just answering some emails or something. Totally, and I felt like I was I was doing a good job multitasking. I was listening to all of your podcasts and working, so it was like I'm educating myself and I'm getting work done. And I'm one of those people. I get on a plane and I can either sleep the entire time or I feel like I need to do something. So luckily, it was one of those planes where I felt like I needed to do something. Yeah, for sure. Lucky for us both. So before we talk about your company and how that got started and everything, I'd like to talk about you a little bit and the type of person you are. So. I oh, no. <laughs> I would love to know, like, are you, like, when you were younger and you were in high school, were you the type of person that was voted, like, most popular and you were just friends with, like, freaking everyone and you're, <laughs> you're, like, you tell stories about how, like, oh, like, I was just kind of part of every group, you know, like, I used to hang out with the nerds and the jocks and these people and you were just friends with everyone and that's why you like networking so much and that's why you created Six Degrees Society or is it kind of the opposite of that and you never really fit in with people and you're like i kind of need to find a good way for people like me to network because people like me are not very good at networking and i want to make it better i want to say that i was more like the first one where i actually moved around a lot as a kid so my parents i was born in florida and my parents had me at four different schools by the time i was 12 so i was always saying goodbye and hello to new people and having to figure out a way to adjust in a new school, in a new environment. And when I was 12, we moved to Connecticut. And so in Connecticut, I went from like small private schools in Florida to large public schools like the movies and how to figure out like how to make it work. So I think I was more like the friends with everyone. If I was picked on, it went straight over my head. I was just, it was like a golden retriever that I feel like <laughs> it could get run over and it would still play fetch. Yeah, so for I was sure. Like, sure. Yeah, they're so nice. And I, I was very naive and friendly i was very lucky also not to get kidnapped i talked to every single stranger <laughs> that you were not supposed to talk to yeah just like me you just like immediately said hi like yeah. right after listening to a podcast that's great 
Yeah, 100%. My parents were like, oh, we should probably take an insurance policy out on her. Yeah. So then how did Six Degrees Society get started then? Was it one of these things where you noticed how many friends you were kind of setting up with other friends to talk to Mm -hmm. because they, you know, like, hey, you guys should totally talk to each other because you guys have all these things in common and you could help each other out in business. And you're like, dang, I'm doing this like all the time. I should maybe make a business out of this. Wow. Are you a mind reader? I, you know, I mean, yeah. So that's exactly what happened Um, because I moved around so much as a kid. And I also went to school. I went to college in Ohio. And after college, it was 2009. The economy was awful. So I moved to Argentina, of all places. I was a Spanish major and had no idea. Spanish and communications. So I could communicate in Spanish and knew nothing about what I wanted to do with my life. So I picked I picked a country where I'd never been before and was like, okay, I need to make myself feel a little uncomfortable and see if I can start a network from scratch, not thinking this was a business and this was way before my business started. But so because I lived in so many places, by the time I finally settled in New York City, I felt like I had collected this incredible collection of friends from every walk of life that did need to meet one another, but there was no common place or moment or opportunity beyond like a supper club or a dinner party where people could come together. So I had been, I was like year four probably of working in fashion and had this, it was like a gray February day and I was just bored and kind of confused with like what my future held and sent an email to all these people and asked if they would kind of play along with my experiment. And at my first event, I had over 45 people and I thought it didn't make sense for all of us to go around and, you know, powwow and say, this is Emily and this is what I do for the day and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I decided to make it really efficient for each person and handpick who they met by creating curated matches. So each match lasts 15 minutes. So you don't have that awkward, like, so I'm going to go to the bathroom now kind of moment. And you're able to exit with grace and all emails and bios are are included in the bio bios that I send out pre-event. So you don't have to exchange business cards. So there's no like obligation to put something on the calendar in that moment. Nice. Nice. And how many people, like how long is the entire event and how many people um, are you, you said it's only 15 minutes. So I would imagine that you meet more mm-hmm. than one person that it's not like a 15 minute yeah. event and then you're done. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for playing. Yeah. Um, no, I, my events are usually two hours in length and they're either two matches or four matches. So my signature event is four matches and each match again is 15 minutes. I usually allow like 30 minutes for people to arrive because no one gets any place on time anymore. And then um, the 15 minutes and then like five minutes in between each match. Um, so roughly like 7 to 9 p.m. And then my other events are two matches followed by some sort of programming. So we can do like wine tasting 101 to uh, oyster shucking 101. I I called it go shuck yourself. I thought it was very creative. Love it. And um, yeah, just things that like you need to know in your life and unique ways to learn them. Like shucking oysters. Like you need to know that. (laughs) Don't you? Yeah. Is that not important? I I think that's like super important. (laughs) 
I mean, SEO one-on-one too. Here's some more professional ones <laughs> or like personal development. Um, but yeah, it's been cool because it's a lot of like, where would you find that type of thing in New York at, at an affordable price? And if I had a question about something rather than researching it and finding a school to take to learn that, I decided to create my own kind of mini school, yeah. like adulting university, pretty much. I love it. So I have a couple questions about that. Um, <laughs> one is, I mean, New York, I feel like is both a of such a perfect place to hold this and also a very not good place to hold this. So it, it's obviously great because there's so many people from so many walks of life. Probably a lot of the people that you had met were either in New York or they could make it there or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a great you know location to hold your first event and a lot of subsequent events. But also, the people's living spaces are not very big in New York. Mm-hmm. So no. you said 45 people showed up. Like, where did you do this the first time? And where have you been doing it since? Yeah, that's, that, was, that was a problem for the first event. Because I was thinking, everyone can come over to my apartment. We can have like a talking wine bottle and pass it around. And that didn't work out. So we held it, our first event, at a place in meatpacking called The Chester. And I had met a great, great now friend and person who's come to several events told her like my random idea. And she was like, why don't you do it? We can charge everyone $25, give them two drink tickets and appetizers. And I felt so guilty to charge my friends money to attend like my experiment, which is that's that's so cheap in New York city that you're getting two drinks and an appetizer and you have a location like, wait, so did she location? Yeah. So she worked for this location or? Yes, she did the special events at that place. Um, at that time, she she's since moved on. But um, yeah, so she was like, yeah, I love the idea of it. You know, we don't have anyone booking that space. It was February, it was cold. And so it brought a whole bunch of new business, which in turn, the people have since like held bachelorette or not bachelorette, but like bridal showers there and, you know, work functions at the space. So it was really advantageous for them to even host me the first time I've been back plenty of times since. And also at this point, like I wasn't trying to make money. It was more just an experiment. Yeah, for sure. I think I walked away with like 150 bucks that night and was ecstatic. Ballin. Yeah, for sure. It's nice because that's sort of validation that this could maybe possibly be a real thing. It's man. I just want to say talking to you now and talking to you before we hit the record button it just makes me think how much more I need to network. For whatever reason, I feel like as I get older, and this probably happens to a lot of people as they get older, I am like more and more in my shell and, and like less mm-hmm. and less about going out and meeting new people. You know, it's like, I know the people yeah. that I know. I'm set with them. It's all good. I don't really need don't to, need you know, I, I meet a lot of people because of the show. So that obviously happens as well. Um, but I cannot tell you how many times you and I have been talking where I ask you a question about like, so how did that thing happen? Or how did that thing happen? And the answer 100% of the times, oh, well, I knew this person. And so it was able to happen, you know? And it's like, had you not known mm-hmm. this woman, like that's a real problem in New York City, the whole entire space thing. And yet it just completely gets taken care of. And there were like a dozen other things when we were talking before we hit the record button where these doors just fully, fully open for you and for other people because of just knowing someone. A hundred percent. And I I always tell people it's so important to build your network when you're not job searching or when you're not wanting anything, but then you can tap your network when you are, or when you are needing that one thing, because I don't think a networking 
experience should be transactional. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like every time I network, I need to make 10 sales or I need to make the sales goals. And you've worked in sales before, so you probably had a mindset oddly similar to that maybe before. So that's probably why networking has been something that's seen as a negative in your in your world. Um, but when you build it more like, I'm building these amazing connections with cool people that I'm learning from and make it more like a fun game, I guess, then it it doesn't seem as intimidating or as transactional and rather it's relationship building and like girl flirting, it's making it's, friends. It's such a great piece of advice. And it's it's one that's so hard to follow, like in all areas of life. You know, it's like the the more on top of your health, let's say that you are, the more you're like, oh, it's okay. I can have a cheat meal or, oh, mm-hmm. I don't need to go to the gym today because I look good right now. So why bother? You know? And it's like, totally. well, that's kind of more reason that you should keep up with the thing. It's hard, like how you were saying to not, not just wait until you like really need to use people per se to go out and network, but network when you have no use for people whatsoever. And like that is, you know, it comes from such more a genuine place. And yet when our cups overfloweth mm-hmm. and we're in a really good spot that's when we're just thinking like oh man it's like thursday night i'm just gonna hang home with a bottle of wine and watch game of thrones i'm definitely yeah. not going out to meet new people right now oh my god did you see my instagram post today <laughs> <laughs> it was like you know you're get- well basically like friday night is um friday night like a good night is doing nothing for me, like that's like the best night is when I do nothing and I'm in sweatpants and I am in front of the TV and I'm like a veggie. Could not agree more. How do you do all this networking then? Monday through Monday through Thursday and then Friday through Sunday, I'm super selfish. And like that's when I take me time and I I'm with my girlfriends and I like become a normal person again. And I'm not like ro- not robotic. I'm not robotic at all. But like, <laughs> you know, go, go, go. Busy be. Emily and I try to be me and you know turn off my phone and turn off my computer and be present and be be with the people that I love and who support me. That's really great to kind of section off your time like that because it kind of gives you the ability to look forward to both you know. Definitely. Um, You don't feel like you're getting burnt out when you're doing all the networking stuff because you see that Friday is coming and then you don't feel like you're just falling in this pit of wearing sweatpants and drinking cabernet because you know that monday is coming totally yeah no i look forward to it a lot but it's funny like i'm one of those people that i i definitely get a high off of people's energy like i'll have a good conversation and i feel like i'm like tripping or something i'm not a drug person but that's what i imagine tripping feels like and just i'll get so excited and then i'll think about that person and like their problem and like how i can solve it and I don't know. I just I get giddy. Yeah, it must be really fun having the network you have being able to do that. Like like you said, like being a problem solver, more or less. That's a really fun thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I talked to a guy actually who studied passion. and He's like, why do you do what you do? I have no idea. Something is miswired in my brain. But <laughs> yeah, I just can't stop doing it. I don't know. I just love it. It just makes me so happy yeah. doing what I do. But also, wait, back to your point about networking and like you said, you, you know, you just moved to a new city. And I think, you know, we kind of are come with our friends. Like in high school, you had probably a pack of friends or did sports and we had a community there. And then in college, you had a group of friends. And then as you grow up and you move your, your separate ways, 
where do you go to find that same resource of friends? Or there's not an organization usually that you're affiliated with when you're married and living in Arizona. So I think a lot of people network out of community and like in the hopes to build community and new friendships just as much as they do for any career purposes. A hundred percent. It's, it's even more difficult. I mean, you, it, it becomes even more necessary um, because of the difficulties of younger people having their own businesses or anyone having their own business or, or what, you know, whatever type of thing that you work in that can be somewhat alienating. You know, if you're, if, if whatever mm-hmm. your work life is, is not really providing you with interactions with a lot of other people, um, it's so important then to get out there. Cause yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not like when you're at the bar, like I, I can't really just like tap a guy on the shoulder next <laughs> to me at the bar and be like, Hey, I'm Blake. I'm looking for a friend. Like he would just be like, what are you talking about? Right now, dude? Be like, I think you're at the wrong bar, Blake. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Down the street. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, but, but networking is so that it's so girl flirting or guy flirting. And, you know, I think there are a lot of more establishments, establishments focused on guys. Like, I don't know, in New York City off the top of my head, like the university club. And if you play squash, you can just pick up a squash game with Joe Schmo and now you're buds. You just said like the most East Coast thing I've ever heard. Like there's nothing like that that exists in California. Oh, that's not true. There's totally clubs. The university club where we play squash? That is like not happening. I'm sure. I'm sure. We're going to have listeners who are going to email us (laughs) and say, you can play squash in all Uh, these locations. Yeah, in all 50 states. Oh, maybe they like race their drones. I don't know what they do, <laughs> but they have something. They have yeah, like yeah. a community. And New- and then in New York, I don't know of any girl equivalent to that. Well, now you have your thing. That's like the girl equivalent. <laughs> yeah. But you guys With no physical space. don't play squash. Yeah. No, we don't. Not yet. Maybe Squash 101 will be one of our events. Yeah. Need to know for sure. <laughs> Um, all right, let's talk a little bit more about Six Degrees Society and throughout this whole thing, let's try to pepper in some advice for people because mm. it's all very, very interesting to me. So first of all, what are you looking for when you are trying to pair people up that are going to be talking together? So like you said, at your very first event, you had 45 people. Um, that's already quite a few different combinations. I'm not a math major, so I don't know <laughs> off the top of my head, but there's like a ton of combinations that you could work through there how are you deciding who's going to talk to who because i imagine there's a lot of things that kind of look good on paper or sound good Mm -hmm. in your head or like which are are you going with your gut are you going with a resume like what are you looking at exactly so yeah oh god 45 was hard that's a big number um usually well so at each event everyone when they buy a ticket they submit a bio and i leave it really free form i ask them to write it in the third person which is a really fun exercise to do if you've ever written a bio about yourself like how do you write about yourself and secondly i ask them to write about like high school college hobbies and who they are and i don't really give them much information or instruction beyond that i sometimes give them a, an example mine's if you look on my website, it's like super self-deprecating, just making fun of like who I am as a person, chatty, wine drinking, traveling person. And um, I think it's really fun to see personalities shine through. So you might work as a medical device salesperson, but then also be like the funniest person in the entire world. And you can see that by the way that you talk about yourself. Right. And 
that's been the really unique thing is I'll like get their job titles and I'm like, oh, cool. They work for the secretary of state. I have no idea what that means or what their day-to-day is, but I noticed that they're like a, a runner and they've run 93 marathons. And then I see someone else in the group is also training for their next marathon. I might match them just based on the fact that they're both avid runners and they have that commonality. So commonalities are, it's helpful because a lot of the girls that come back, I know, and I know pretty well, and I know what they need or what they're looking for without them even telling me. But then there's the people that I've never met before and I have to go off these bios. And I think what I do differently is not just making assumptions that your job is who you are. And I try to match them on something beyond what their job is. Yeah. So like if somebody comes to you and they are a clothing manufacturer and then someone else comes to you and they're like a seamstress or something like that, you wouldn't necessarily pair them up over like two people that share the same hobby or two people that have mm-hmm. a very similar like perceived personality like via writing style or whatever it is yeah i mean i might definitely pair the seamstress with the clothing maker i think that's a good fit as well um and that's that's, that's the, a good pun that, right there that's a it's good a fit. really good it's a really good fit <laughs> and then the challenging thing though is i will do it i'll make a, a match and then i'll keep reading bios and be like oh crap I want her to meet her instead and I'll like rework all of the matches because they really need to meet one another. And, um, yeah, it, I mean, the thing is like when I first started it, I was more freaked out and wanted the matches to be as perfect as possible. And then as it's grown, I've realized people have the bios and the emails of every single person in attendance. So if there's someone there that they want to meet and they hadn't met, they'll reach out to them. And um, I still try to do my very best to give them the perfect matches. But I think people are are pretty good at the follow-up, which is cool too to see. Yeah, for sure. What makes a match not work out? Like, have you ever put people together and then you watch them in the room and you're like, dang, they're not really clicking? Yeah. And it doesn't happen as often as I think, but I'll always have my... I feel bad for the people that I match myself with because... I love hearing their stories, but simultaneously I'm listening to the conversation behind me. Yes. Um, you know, looking at the conversation in front of, in front of me and like making sure that everyone is having a good time. So you can really tell like who's controlling a conversation based on body language. And I think one thing that's important with my group for the most part is that you have to be at least like one or two years out of college and have a little bit more experience in your job. Um, or in like just in your work environment, because I think it just helps with the confidence level. Everyone that's not a millennial that's listening to this is totally laughing (laughs) at you right now, by the way, the fact that you would say one to two years, you know, so you have like experience (laughs) one to two years out. No, but it's funny though. Like if you're straight out of college, I've had, or I've had my interns, um, be a part of it. And some interns who might be freshmen are just really timid and they don't know what to say and they don't know what to contribute. And they're like, yeah, my biology class is really hard. Um, but then, you know, if you have like the MBA student intern, it's a whole different ball of wax. So, uh, that's when I notice some challenges. I've also noticed, um, so this is the interesting thing is like, 
people have heard about it through word of mouth, through various podcasts, through Facebook groups, just, you know, friend to friend to friend to friend. So I don't handpick the group that's going to be at each event. And, you know, the group can be like crapshoot. It can be all over the map. And I have to find something in common with people who could be scientists to like, I don't know, a creative director and figure out what these people have in common. So it's always a new challenge. Every single event and every single market is super unique. Yeah, for sure. So why do you think that when it doesn't work, why do you think it doesn't work? Um, it's more often that it does work. I think if it doesn't work, it's like, oh, you know, that person wasn't able to, he was nice and we had a good conversation, but like, I don't see any purpose to, uh, follow up with them. If they're meeting four people and they feel that way about one person, I feel like I've done a good job. Yeah, totally. if they feel like they can follow up with three out of the four people, I'm like, that's awesome. That's great. Um, you know, I had a friend who was like, I I really liked my meetings with people and I loved their stories, but I didn't feel like I needed any follow-up from there. So, you know, for me, is that me doing a poor job or is that me like being satisfied that he enjoyed his time, but maybe, you know, he's an academic and this isn't for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's a really good worst case scenario. You know, that like, yeah, hey, yeah. I really enjoyed my time with everyone. Like, if that's the worst thing that happens, that's not very bad. And also, it's kind of like a natural selection where if people don't love it, they won't come back, and that's okay. I, it's it, again, it's not for everyone, and if they don't come back, then they don't have to feel uncomfortable or make someone else that they're talking to feel uncomfortable. Right. Um. Yeah, I've had people who heard about it and were much older. My demographics more 24 to like late 30s. There are early 40s. My mom's in her 60s and she comes to almost every single event. But um, I had one particular person come and this person was in their late 60s and just had a very different approach to things and events and expectations than I was delivering. and. You know, she didn't come back to the next event and that was okay. I think, you know, she tried it out and I didn't feel comfortable with her there. And I don't think she felt comfortable there either. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, natural selection. Um, mm-hmm. Do you always pair yourself off with someone at the events or no? For the most part, yes. Unless it's like 50 people and I need to be just kind of making sure everyone found their match. Um, I usually match myself. Okay. And I'm like taking pictures at the same time. It's <laughs> I'm wearing all the hats. Yeah, that's so hard. I can't believe that. I yeah, I, I'm so surprised. Like I was surprised to hear you say that because I would can only imagine like the desire to walk around and just kind of like listen in that's on true. everyone's conversations. Mm-hmm. But then you don't want to make people feel creeped out and like yeah, they're like a like a show at a circus, you know? Yeah, I like. I mean, sometimes this is the challenging part about matches too. I have a really high attendance rate, usually like 98%. But say the person doesn't show up to an event, then that person's without a match. So that's where like, I can get a little creative and maybe swap my match for the person who doesn't have a match. Right. Or like do a threesome. I call it a threesome. And then, um, you know, I can step away from that conversation and take some pictures and then come back to it. Yeah. So it offers a little bit more flexibility. 
So in your experience at these events from both the people that you're with and then, like you said, as you're like listening to the people behind Mm -hmm. you and in front of you and all that, how long does it really take to tell if people are really clicking? Like, is it like 10 seconds, like 10 minutes? Usually like a minute. I would say a minute. And you can hear... I feel like with four matches, you hear the excitement, like the first three matches. By the fourth match, they're tired. They're worn down. (laughs) They're a little more exhausted. And you can hear the vibration of the room that was like at a really high vibration is starting to fade. Yeah, Um, yeah. Which is funny. But yeah, usually, usually about a minute in and you can either hear the people who also did their homework and read everyone's bios and they're like, Oh my God, I saw you're from Arizona. I'm from Arizona. Where in Arizona? And like has, has something right off the, um, you know, hit the ground running with what they, they want to talk about. And then you hear the other people that are like, so like, how do you know Emily? (laughs) And like need a jumping off point still. Yeah, of course. So it's fascinating. It's like, you can also see who's in control of the conversation. Yeah, that's got to be really an interesting, difficult thing when you're like hovering or (laughs) listening or whatever. And you notice that somebody just like does not relinquish control of a conversation, you know, and you're just like, dude, you got to like shut up for a little bit if you want this to be like a thing. Yeah, totally. It's like a bad, not a bad first date, like a first date where they talk all about themselves and ask no questions in return. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's stay with that for a little bit and try to give some people some networking advice. So um, for one, what are some things that we ourselves could try to do if we are to go to an event like yours um, mm-hmm. or just if we're out and about or whatever and to try to make ourselves come out of our shell a little bit more because a lot of people are not probably as extroverted as you or I are. <laughs> And even though I am an extrovert, there are times when it's like, I just don't feel up to it. Or maybe I am, for whatever reason, feeling a little introverted today or whatever it is, you know? Um, so what are some things that you try to do or like try to encourage people to do yeah. to like get them to come out of their shell? Um, so one thing I encourage people to do is to go alone. I think I'm so guilty of it. When I go to a networking event, that's not my own. I'd go with you and be like, Blake, if you left me, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Don't make eye contact with anyone. We're just going to sit by the crudite. And if anyone comes to us, those can be our friends. And like, I, I definitely struggle in those situations as well. So usually I try to go to those things alone because otherwise I will be that person that's just shoving like the Spanakopita in my mouth and, you know, hanging out with my friend. Yeah. And people are like, how was that event? You're like, dude, the yeah. best prosciutto. <laughs> so good. <laughs> the cocktails were amazing. <laughs> um, but so going alone is good because in that way it like makes you uncomfortable and it challenges you to strike up a conversation and not feel like you have to babysit your friend or like introduce your friend or vice versa. Um, and the second thing to do is to have genuine conversations. Like I'm a pretty real person. I'm, I like to be who I am when I talk to people and not be someone that I want to be. Uh, And also instead of peppering people with questions, which I'm known for doing, but asking questions in a more subtle and tactful way. So what I mean is like, for example, if you were wearing a sweater and being like, hey, Blake, I like your sweater. And you're like, thanks. I'm Blake, by the way. And I'm like, cool, I'm Emily. And you're like, I'm like, where did you get your sweater? And you're like, my mom gave it to me. That's awesome. Is your mom from New York too? You're like, actually, no, she's back home in Michigan. And then from there, I just 
answered, you answered two of the questions that I wanted to answer. Like your family doesn't live here. You, your mom's still alive. I don't know if that's a question, but um, <laughs> you know, you're able to start talking about like who you are as a person without me asking you like, where are you from? What do you do? <laughs> How long have you lived here? Where do you live in the city? And rather have a back and forth right. dialogue. Well, that really ties back into what you said earlier about try to network when you don't really need something. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's the kind of like thing that would come out so much more easily if you if you needed something would just be like, yeah. so what do you do? Oh, yeah. really? Okay. Um, I'm actually going to go walk over here and talk to this other person right now because, you know, I was hoping that you did something along these lines versus if you go to an event like yours or any other sort of networking mm -hmm. event and you have absolutely no goal, you might as well ask them about their sweater as well. Like, yeah, <laughs> hey, it's no, like totally. tactful and it's, and it's a really cool way to, you know, to ease into a conversation, but as well, like maybe it's a dope sweater and you didn't really have any other goals tonight. So it's all good. Yeah. No, you can definitely get creative with it. And I don't think, I think people are so programmed to look, like shop a room and look at what person a person does and start the conversation off by like, oh, you work at this company. Can I get a discount? Or do you like it? Or um, there needs to be, there needs to be a more tactful way to, to get involved. Otherwise, I think naturally we just get defensive. Yeah, for sure. That's, do you recommend that people show up to events with uh, some sort of questions in mind or with absolutely like a completely clean blank <laughs> slate. That way they can do things like ask people about their sweaters. I, I think it depends on, on the type of event for sure. Uh, what I like about mine and you can, you literally are spoon fed the information about each person. And if you did a little bit of homework with just reading their bios, you can have a conversation to start. And I think it's always important you know, to just like have one thing to start off and also to leave a conversation, not with, Hey, can you help me get a job? But how can I help you? Or like, Oh, this is so cool. What you're doing with this brand or this company. Is there any way that I can help you or I can make an introduction for you? And then you're giving, you're giving back and then you're more likely, um, to probably continue the conversation and also feel good about the conversation. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, and I also think my last like weird tip is if I meet you and I know I only have like 15 minutes to stay at this event or I don't have much time to talk to you, what I'll generally do is I'll have them write their email in my phone, write them right then and there and say, hey, email me back and then like met you at this event. Mm. That's it. Super rough and the ball's in their court. And they can respond back when they need to. I'm horrible with business cards. I literally use them for like gum disposal. And like, I don't know, that's just, they're, they're floating in the bottom of my, my bag somewhere. Yeah, for sure. And I think about that all the time now with uh, like when you're at the doctor's office and they write out like the appointment sheet and they like hand it to you, your little like appointment reminder sheet. And it's like, dude, I'm, I have my phone in my hand. Like, why are you handing me this yeah. sheet of paper? Like, what am I supposed to even do with this? Yeah, for sure. You're like, wait, I guess I'll take a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put, it in, put it in my phone later. So Emily, on your, I, I had kind of thought that Six Degrees Society was all women, like, like all women focused mm -hmm. events. And then on your website, I saw this write up on a guy. Is it all women? <laughs> like, did it start out all women? Um, yeah. what, what's the deal? 
Yeah. So it definitely started out all women and it went from a woman's only to a woman's focused. So once a month in most of my cities, so we're based in eight cities, by the way, um, I try to do a manbassador event. And a manbassador event is all these amazing guys that also want to network and they need to be introduced to these amazing women. And I, I had an anniversary party at the the place in meatpacking when I had my first, where I had my first event. And I was like, oh, for the party, I'll invite my guy friends and I'll do two matches just, just for fun. And they were so obsessed with the process. Some of them printed out the bios. They like wrote questions next to each bio. They're like, oh, he swims. He must like surfing too. Let me ask him about surfing and would go up to every single person in the room in addition to their matches and um, really, really wanted to see more of it. So it was from there that I started doing more ambassador events. And it's been really cool because every guy has like an amazing girl or two in his lives in his life, like a wife or a sister, a coworker, a friend. And, um, a lot of the incredible women that have found us have found us through the guys that have come to events. That's so great. And yeah, that was the reason why I asked all of that. I, I feel like there would have to be such a, uh, hand picking of the mm-hmm. guys on your part, because some, like something that I feel like really allows y- your business to, um, just be as awesome as it is, is because of the fact that it's, it's mostly women, you know, mm-hmm. or at one time was all women that are in these rooms. Because I think that that, that, um, that sort of caricature of a networking event that maybe people have in their heads. And like you said, of people just being way too like type a, just like, so what do you do? Where are you from? Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. <laughs> That's a very like masculine attitude. Um, mm-hmm. and a very like male dominated way to like, uh, to think of an event like that. And the way that a lot of men would handle an event like that. But there are a lot of guys who also would not handle an event like that and could actually be cool about stuff and that would ask you questions about you and that, uh, you know, were raised mm-hmm. by their mom and have a sister and have like beautiful women in their lives that show them how to not be like a Neanderthal. And I, yeah, like it's really great that you can invite people like that in to the process and they don't end up like throwing off the vibe of the entire thing by being totally. too kind of like in your face. Yeah, I was nervous about that for sure. And I was also the actually the main reason that I didn't want to do it was I was nervous that it'd be perceived as a dating event. And I know people want the dating event. I've been asked several times and I've made a few very successful connections um, romantically. However, I didn't want it to be something where you go and you're nervous and you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm married. He's going to think that I'm hitting on him or I don't know. I just I didn't want the vibe to be weird. And so I make it pretty clear if you hear my language, I'm like, this is not a dating event. There have definitely been some. some love that has developed out of it and some romantic interests, but that's not on me. That's just on a good connection. And for me, having been in fashion for as long as I was in fashion, one of the things I miss the most were my guy friends. Like I had no guy friends that I, there weren't many straight male guy friends, at least in the fashion world. And so it was so great to like come up with a new group of great guys that are amazing resources and wonderful at bouncing ideas off of, um, and developing these platonic relationships with, and it's not just like 
I, I only interact with the opposite sex just for dating purposes only. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what do you feel like you've learned about what not to do at a networking <laughs> event? So you already talked about like, try to um, be more civil and not like, so just direct about like, what are you doing this and that? Um, mm-hmm. What are some other things that we should try to not do at a networking event? Definitely like the transactional element where it's like, if you worked at a company that I wanted to work at, unless, you know, maybe you just recently submitted your resume there and say like, would you mind like pushing it forward? But I think where people will ask, like, can you get me a job here? Can you, can you help me out? Um, I think it's a little off putting and then you feel like the relationship is just transactional and only for the purpose of securing employment at their company. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, also just being like a genuine friend. I think when following up with people, um, you know, a lot of people think that they need to follow up in a super professional way, but why not follow up with them in a friendly way and say like, Hey, I know you mentioned you love running. I actually am part of a run group. Do you want to come for a run with me uh, next week? And thinking creatively about the way that you foster the relationships with the, the contacts that you've made. Um, I've done like, we've gone to wine bars before we've done, um, comedy shows, random things, but, just like a cool experience to continue growing the friendship. Yeah. Love it. Or workout classes. I love a good workout class with someone. Dude, I need to go to workout classes, man. I feel like they're becoming more and more popular. And every day I'm at the totally. gym doing the same stupid stuff. I am like, God, like one of these days I need to go to some sort of workout class. What do you recommend? Um, I was totally like you. I was, I loved the treadmill and I'd bring like my trashy TV on my iPad <laughs> and only reward myself yeah. by like watching the vampire diaries on the treadmill. Yeah. Good but, call. um, yeah, I'm very far behind on that series now, unfortunately, but, um, I, I joined class pass back in 2014, actually right when I started my company and it was really cool just to like go to different types of classes and challenge, um, challenge your body in different ways, but I'll, I'll do like the bar classes or CrossFit classes or like hit high intensity classes. Um, I love a good spinning class and soul cycle is still one of the fun little treats that I allow myself to do every once in a while. But so you just do everything. I do it all. Yeah. And in New York, walking has become a big exercise, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely love like a good morning workout class. And I think it's a great way to like, if you meet someone to follow up with them and say, Hey, I'm actually taking a bar class in two days. Would you want to join me? If you, if that somehow came up in your conversation and then you plan on that and you put it on your calendar right then and there, and then you have the next time you're going to see that person. And for me, I like to meet with people more in the morning or at night and then kind of keep my afternoons to me and to actually get my work done. Yeah, for sure. Um, But I love like a good morning meeting. I think it's great. And working out is a great way to start off your day with endorphins and then grab a coffee afterwards. Yeah, man, that is a great, great idea. So (laughs) Emily, tell us a little bit about the growth of the business all that we talked about was your first meeting ever and then all this <laughs> interesting advice about networking and stuff like that like how totally. did you get to the point that you're at eight cities now oh. and uh talk about the ways i guess that networking probably i would have to imagine helped you get yeah. there yeah 
I was able to grow the cities and yet we're in eight chapters. We're in New York, San Francisco, LA, Chicago, New Orleans, Atlanta, Miami, and DC. And, um, when I first started, I quit my corporate job at the end of 2015. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to do New York, Chicago, LA. And I'll just like travel through back and forth between all of these three cities. And, you know, my very amateur level math was, was like, this will be perfect. This will be great. And it wasn't. It was horribly, horribly thought out. And what I realized is I can't travel between those three cities. I will die, especially with the amount of events that I want to produce. So my I had one ambassador already in place in Chicago. My sister lives in L.A., so I was like, naturally, you're going to be an ambassador. Um, but as luck would have it, I was really, really earnest on Facebook. Like I posted to the world what the heck I was doing and what my vision was. And this girl who I'd met at like a New Year's party the year before lived in LA and was like, I would love to be a part of what you're building. And it was the conversation with her that helped kind of like nail into place the idea of an ambassador. And my background was planning events for over 40 stores um, across the country. So I wouldn't be at all these events. I would send overviews to all of the store managers and they would execute the events. So that's kind of where my my mind was able to treat the growth of the cities like stores and having a point person in place in every city. And now we have like two to three people in place in most of the cities um, and have them be the face of the brand in that market and all still create the matches and like play big brother from afar oh whoa so you're doing the matches for everywhere oh yeah (laughs) yeah damn that's crazy yeah we had 105 events last year it was a lot of matches Uh, whoa that's so awesome are you and then go ahead well, I was going to say, in, in regards to the growth of the cities, a lot of it happened out of serendipity and a lot of it happened out of, I had eight weddings and um, like bachelorette parties throughout the, the country. And I kid you not, this girl reached out to me and she was like, Emily, I've been watching what you're doing. You need to come to New Orleans. And one, I was, when I got this email, I was in the midst of writing my friend, like, hey, I can't make it to your bachelorette party in New Orleans. I'm an entrepreneur now and I'm poor. And um, realized, okay, maybe I can do both. Like, I'll do the bachelorette party and then I'll launch the chapter that Monday. Now you get to write off the bachelorette party. Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was you know, research. And then um, same thing with Atlanta. Like, a girl reached out and she's like, I would love to be your ambassador in Atlanta if you ever come here. And I was like, I actually have a bachelorette party there in July. Do you want to launch in July? And um, yeah, I've been able to like time things accordingly. And I'm kind of a master with like the credit card points and booking these trips where I'll go from like New York to San Fran to LA to Florida to somewhere else um, on like really weird days and get low rates and kind of hit them all. What was it like the first time that events were happening that you were not at and stuff? It's got to be very difficult to relinquish control like that. Oh, totally. I like wrote them a script. I was like, this is what you say. (laughs) This is where you raise your glass. This is what you're going to wear tonight. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, this is, you know, I'm giving them like my Instagram login. Um, Like here's how to Insta story, all of these things. Um, But most of them, I don't know. After like the first one or two cities, I feel like I forgot that, I had to teach people how to do that. They're like, what do I have to do? 
I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Um, you have to, you have to do this. You have to buy name tags. This is like the events guideline book. Uh, so right now, I'm really focusing on making sure these eight cities are mark are are working smoothly without me uh, before I expand. But I definitely want to expand to three more markets this year uh, with Philly, Boston, and Denver in that in my vision for the year. That's great. How are you? Is it more bachelorette parties? How are you? How are you picking no, out these no new cities? No bachelorette parties. No bachelorette parties. Um, so this is where, again, all of my ambassadors have reached out to me. Like, actually, all of them, with the exception of one, but all of them have reached out to me and like basically asked if I was ever expanding in their city. So um, it's happened organically. There's like serendipity there, and then it's the same thing with the the Philly. The the Boston and the Denver. There was a girl who went to an event in San Francisco, loved it so much. And then she's moving to Denver and was like, once I get settled, I want to make this happen. And then I got an email today from a girl in London who was like, I just moved here and I loved your events and I miss them. Can we open London? Wow. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, totally. So Let's question about that though, that I, I was going to ask, like, how do you determine if somebody is able to open a chat. Yeah. Like, because yeah. that's like the perfect example of somebody that's clearly good at networking and they care, but like, Hey, I just moved to London. Let's do one here. It's like, well, you just moved there. Like mm, yeah. <laughs> you obviously can't no. know very many people in London. Totally. And that won't happen for a while. That would be something. Usually I like to know that the person has a big network or has their hands in a lot of different things. So um, like they, they like to volunteer or they were on the junior league or they are part of their alumni chapters. So my LA ambassador is, I love her. I, I probably talk about her too much. She probably thinks I have like a girl crush on her because I do. And she, you know, she works full time. She goes to business school. Um, she is the best ambassador. She also went to college in the Midwest and is from the South. So she's able to tap into the people from the South that live in her state. Um, she's able to tap into like the school alumni group, then the the business school alumni group, and then her work. And I like that a lot yeah. about someone. That's great. How um, do but you, it is hard. Yeah. How are you able to tell that when you're talking to these people? You can't. I mean, we've... I have an amazing ambassador in Chicago and we've had incredible, incredible response to some events and then zero response to others. And I know she has a huge personal network. Um, so it's so much more than being reliant on one person's network. Yeah. Um, it's, I use Facebook groups to promote my events. I, you know, create meetups for each city as well. I post them on like event listing websites. You have to get really creative um, to get the message beyond just that same network. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, Emily, yeah, go ahead. It, I was going to say, yeah, it is, it is a challenge and it is a, like a crapshoot. I, I could only imagine. Yeah. I, do you ever have events that people, like you, you said that there's events where kind of like nobody signs up. Do you have events where it, you know, like, I guess what is your minimum threshold for, okay, we are going to do this event. Like if six people yeah. signed up, would you cancel it or would you still do it for those six people? I'll still do it for those six people. Um, you know, there's some events that'll be like, okay, we didn't have amazing signups, but maybe I'll change the way I think about the event and say, this is my PR event. I will then invite the people that I've been wanting to attend the event as a guest and just kind of 
in my mind, switch it up to like, okay, good. I got the people that I needed at the event here as a guest. So they got this like cool VIP feeling. They had an intimate group. So they got to meet everyone there and they had a cool experience. Yeah. Love it. Emily, let's, uh, let's finish this thing up with some advice for people, which this Mm. whole thing is kind of been advice. (laughs) So I actually, let me change that. Let's finish this thing up with some stories from you. Actually. Um, I would love to know like some of your landmark stories from the past four years of doing this and like all the awesome people that you have introduced to each other. Is there any, any like people that you've introduced to each other that have gone on to like cure cancer, like do something super Mm. amazing and you're like, yes, like this happened because of this. Totally. In regards to um, some really cool success stories, there is one girl in our group who I call like my cheerleader. She's just amazing. She came to my second event and has probably been, I counted it up the other day. She went to 18 events this past year Whoa! and yeah, insane. And she's so thoughtful and kind and like introduces me to some of the most incredible women. And she's a contributor and she contributes for Forbes and the muse and, um, I think monster.com if I'm not misquoting it and Britain co and just amazing, amazing publications. And she was given the the task to write for Women's in Forbes and, you know, asked me to to be someone that she'd write about and to interview me and profile me, which was incredible and such an honor to be on Forbes. That was like one of my dreams for my whole life to be on Forbes. And that's so um, wonderful. It happened before 30. And then um, she's been able to meet more women that she's featured on there. And the fact that I introduced them or it was like one of her matches that inspired her. And I saw her the other day, uh, a picture on Facebook. She was um, speaking at a conference. I think it was for Forbes or some sort of summit. And there's this girl who designs these dresses called Raleigh and they're beautiful. And the proceeds from the dresses go to to fund children's uniforms in other countries, basically, so kids can afford uniforms. Awesome. And she was wearing one of the dresses at the summit. And I just like, it just warms my heart in those kind of moments where I'm like, she would have met her. I'm sure she would have met her, you know, New York is a small world, but like here she is dressed in that dress because I matched them at that event this past June. Totally. And, and that's like uh, any of those articles, like it's, it's so awesome. And, and I, like, great for business and all these things to get like an article like that written about you, but how cool it must almost be even better when the articles are written about the other people on Forbes where it's like, sweet. Like you got featured in Forbes because I introduced you to this person. That's such a cool feeling. I know that's like the one thing I have to be careful about because I want to be like, you know, this wouldn't be possible if I hadn't introduced you, you know, and like to not say those things out loud. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I introduced my my best friend to her boyfriend. Um, I met him at a networking event and literally said to him, like, I need you. You're in San Francisco, but you need to meet Carol, my friend. And um, I am going to send you an email right after this. This is over. And they like he had a trip planned to New York and they've been dating ever since. Um, but so that's those are kind of fun successes as well. That's awesome. I can't like I can't imagine what this guy did that made you think that he should start a long distance relationship with yeah, your friend. Right? <laughs> I don't know. He was a little suicidal probably. Just yeah. like what was what was he thinking? Very impressive. Um all right, so yeah, Emily, let's go ahead and, and finish this thing up with at least a, a, another piece of advice. So 
out of everything that you have done, what is like the number one thing you feel like you've learned about networking and how we should approach events like this? I think it's something that you need to add into your daily life or into your routines, kind of like a workout. So I think you need to to challenge yourself and feel uncomfortable. And it's so important to get in these situations that are out of your comfort zone and learn how to, to master them because you're not always going to be surrounded by your friends. You're not always going to be surrounded by your family. And it's great to be able to be connected with so many different types of individuals. Um, so just like you go to the doctor once a year or you go to your workout classes, like start mixing up your routine and you don't have to go to a, like a formal networking event to say that you network. There's so many amazing types of networking groups out there and there's things, it could be like a pottery class. It could be something like a passion that you have. And just, I, I think it's as we grow up and as so so easy for us to sit on the couch and Netflix and hang out and just relax. It's also really great to continue learning and like pushing yourself as we become these adult things in the world. Such a great piece of advice. Yeah. To just put some sort of effort out there because it's what you were just saying. Everything can kind of just come to you now. Like we're, we're not really directly rewarded or whatever for, for putting effort out, you know? And uh, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't, put a little bit out there and get out there and meet some people. Yeah. And you never know where you're going to meet some person. You might meet them in that, you know, that one night when you said, no, I'm not feeling up for going out. And it doesn't have to be like at a bar. It could be, you know, at the person sitting next to you at dinner. So all various things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Emily, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It was so much fun. It was great chatting with you. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.